this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with me today. Today, I've got an exciting sermon. You don't want to miss this one. I want to give you permission to change. I want to show you how to reposition your life in a way that's profound. There's a book by T.D. Jakes that I just love. It's called Repositioning Yourself. And in this book, he has these hundred devotionals that he uses. And so I just took the title for a minute because I want to take that theme, how you can reposition your life and change everything. And it starts with you giving yourself permission to change. So stay with me today. Oh boy, On Demand is going to be for you today. You might want to link this and send it to somebody. It's going to be good. Stay right there. I'll be back at the end to pray for you. Stay there. Hey, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with me today. I am really excited about this service. I hope you have been blessed by everything. I hope you've communed with us. I hope you've sang with us. I hope you worship the living God. And I hope more than anything, you've been inspired to really think about your life. Today, we're going to start a new series. It's called Repositioning Yourself. And it's from a book I mentioned earlier, for those of you with us all the while, I said that there's this great, incredible sermon book called Repositioning Yourself by T.D. Jakes. Now, the book has 100 devotionals in it. You can buy it on your own, read it. It's a great read, fun read. But I took the title. I want to say it. I took the title and I, and I really believe that the title for this sermon series really is all about the same thing. I'm not preaching the book. I'm going to simply share some principles that I believe uh, connect with the idea of how you reposition yourself. And one of the first things we want to talk about is, is how you do that. And that's simply by giving yourself permission. If you are going to reposition your life, change where your life is going, redirect your money, redirect your attitude, redirect things, you have to give yourself permission. Now, what I've learned is I didn't always have permission. For some reason, I felt as if it was, I don't know, somebody else's decision. But in reality, I've learned that it's my decision. I need to decide that I want a different life. I need to decide that I want my circumstances, my, um, <laughs> my health to be different. I decide that I want to look a certain way. And that's something that only you can do. Now, people can make suggestions to you. If you're a young person, your parents can say, you need to be a good student and you need to study. And, you know, but it doesn't matter because if you don't want to do it, there's nothing they can do to force you. Not really. At some point, you can just rebel and leave or whatever. But that's not good. Don't do that. Because really what they're trying to get you to understand is the power of you deciding to reposition yourself. You know, I decided one day that I wanted to be a good student. I decided that I wanted to read. I decided that I, I did, really. I decided that I want good, good grades. I want excellent grades. I want to make A's. That's a decision. The, the difference between a C and a B sometimes is two hours, three hours. Sometimes it's five. Sometimes it's a day. But, but I decided that I would spend the extra 10 hours. I decided that I would break it up into two hours each, but I've decided that I want to be a better student. I decided I want to make more money. I decided I want, I want to, to, to have more resources so that I can do more things, touch more lives. I've decided that I want to uh, be um, more positive. And so I had to reposition myself. And it starts in private because what I think in private leaks into the public. So I have to be more positive in private when it's just me. Because if I'm negative by myself, I'll be negative when I'm with people. It will ooze out. My private frustrations will leak into my public presentation. That's right. My private frustrations will leak into my public, public presentation. People will see it, hear it, feel it. They'll, they'll say something, something about him. Don't know what that is, but he's negative, negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people, people, can feel, people can feel it. That's why you got certain problems, lust. People can feel, mm-hmm, he lusts in private, lusting in public. It's all, it, it, you can't hide it because it's who you are. So what you have to do is you have to say, look, let me have a meeting with myself 
and let me decide what I want. So what I'm going to do before I get to a, a, a wonderful study in the book of Joshua down the road here, I want to take you on a little journey. So I'm going to take you on a journey before I get to the Bible verse in Joshua. But I want you to look with me and I want to read something to you. And I want you to listen. This is from the book, Repositioning Yourself by T.D. Jake. So listen to this quote. I just love it. You're going to like this. Just because you started in a certain way doesn't mean you have to end that way. You can change your life and reposition your career, your personal relationships, your ministry, your business, whatever it is you need to tweak. You have permission to change and grow. You learn some things at 30 that you didn't know at 18. You know more at 50 than you did at 35. This guide is your resource to take all that you've learned and use it to shift gears and reposition yourself armed with all of your failures and successes. You learn as much from your failures as you do from your successes. You can reposition yourself and change how your story ends. Wow. You can do this. You can change how your story ends. You are armed now with all your failures, all the things you did right, all the things you did wrong. And you can say, man, now I have a person with experience. You know, so when you go out on a date, you know, you, you've dated some turkeys and turkettes. You know exactly what to look for. And they can try and fool you. But right in the middle of dinner, they'll go gobble, gobble. When they when they right in the middle of the dinner, you can tell this is a turkey. This is a turkette. They were talking about, you know, money or something. And, and all of a sudden, right in the middle of the conversation, they said, yes, I'm doing quite well. Gobble, gobble. And, then, you know, you just know that uh, that ain't true. No, <laughs> you can tell because you have experience. So you come to the fight with experience. You come to the fight understanding what's true and what's not true. That is a great advantage. So you bring all those experiences, all those failures, all the people you dated, all the jobs you lost, all the money. You so I got a lot of experience, Pastor Rick. All the times you went to jail, all that stuff. You don't go, you go to jail two, three times for the same stuff. You say, you know what? Now I'm experienced. I've been a fool three times. It's time to stop. I get it. You understand now that you've drunk yourself into being in trouble. You don't been in front of the judge. You tell you don't come back. So now you know. So what do you do? You take charge of your life. You take charge of your life and you say to yourself, I will not allow this to happen to me. I will not allow myself to lose perspective. I will not allow myself to be put in that position. I have experience. I know what it means to overspend. I know what it means to lose something that's important. I've lost a relationship. I've lost friends. And if you've lost those things, you know how it feels. So now it's time to reposition yourself. And churches are in the middle of this. Our church is in the middle of it. We have to reposition ourselves. We can't accept or believe that everything's going to be like it was. We have to say, you know what? Things have changed. Let me reposition my mind. I need to be online. I need to make sure I'm, I'm not afraid of change. Now, some people refuse. I mean, they have got a <laughs> they've got this conviction that they can just ignore it. But you have to give yourself permission. And you have to tell yourself, I am going to need to embrace, bow my head and praise it. Lord, I need to embrace change now. So let's talk about what needs to change in your life. And let's talk about what has changed in your life. And let's talk about what you can do about it. Now, what I want to do is give you what I believe is four things that I think are really key to bringing about change in your life. And I think these four elements are really crucial. These are four steps. 
four realities that we enter as a, in, in this new season of our life, there are four simple realities. Number one, we have to understand that there are going to be losses. If you're going to make changes in your life, you have to understand that going into that, there are going to be losses. Secondly, there's going to be a need for licensing. You're going to have to have someone somewhere, either you're going to have to license yourself and, and somebody else. And generally, you need yourself and someone else. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Number three, you have to have, embrace limits. You can't do everything. If you think you can do everything, if you think you can be everywhere, if you think you can, you can't. And that's one of the challenges <laughs> for churches. One of the challenges for organizations, businesses, you try and do everything. You can't do everything. You can't be a part of every group. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And so if you can say, I'm clear that I can only do these three things in a day. I'm not trying to do 50. Some people really get, you know, really kind of prideful about how busy they are and how much they go. And I'm, I'm just exhausted. I'm telling you, I'm just, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm in 50 groups. No, you're confused. You're, you're, you're too spread out. You, you need to pause. So you got to understand, those are, that, that's something you have to pause. I have limits. And then lastly, number four, you've got to have a new attitude. You, you have to say, I have to have a new attitude. Now, what I want to do is I, I want to walk back through all four of these for a minute, and I want to tie them to another book. You know, I'm a book guy, I know. Uh, I love this book. And these are, they're books that I think are like, man, this is what I live by. There's some principles in this book. John Cotter was the guy who wrote the book out of Harvard. And John Cotter wrote a small book, and it's called Leading Change. I have lived by it, loved it for years. And what I want to do is I want you to go back through these four with me. And I'm going to show you how each one fits. Now, the first thing I said to you was in order for you to, to, to license yourself to change, in order for you not to license, but in order for you to change, there are certain things you have to do. Number one, you have to accept loss. You have to accept the loss. John Carter calls this coming to a place where you have a sense of urgency, where you have this urgent press in your life. And normally that's because of some loss. Some loss or some tragedy or some difficulty forces you to, to consider change. And for most of us, we can look back and say, I changed when this happened or I changed when that happened. It's really easy for us to identify when we made major changes in our life. But sometimes that only comes with a sense of urgency. Secondly, he talks about, uh, we talked about licensing. And this is one thing we're going to do a whole sermon on down the road here. But I want you to think about what he, how he, what he called it. He said, you have to, in order to make change, you have to have what's called, John Carter said, you have to have what's called a guiding coalition, which means to make change, you have to have a group of people that support your change. So sometimes in order for you to really make a change in your life, you don't just have to have your own personal conviction or, or approval. You need to surround yourself with people who give you permission. They give you permission to save. They give you permission to be away from them. They give you permission to rest. You need to have people around you. Some, people, some of you are around people who don't license you to go to sleep. They, they're always trying to keep you awake. And some of you say, that must be my children. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to have people around you support napping, support your clean house goals. Uh, there's something healthy about that. Thirdly, we talked about the importance of having limits. Well, Carter talked about something called uh, in leading change, how when you're trying to make change, you have to have a sense of urgency. You have to have a guiding coalition, but then you have to have a vision and a strategy. So the vision and the strategy is where you start putting limits. You start saying, well, we're going to do this, not that. This is the vision. This is the vision. Not, not that. You start developing that. Now, once you do that, now, okay, we're ready to make changes. We're ready now to make changes that can really manifest itself in our world. And the last thing is attitudes. 
you come with a new attitude. Now, this is something very simple. Your attitudes determine everything. So here's a question. What are your boundaries and what are the things that you have said? These are my boundaries. These are the limits. What do you need to be licensed for? Think about that for a second. What do you need to be licensed for? And then, then think about this now. What are you willing to leave behind? What are you willing to lose? What are you willing to lose? If you can work your way through those questions, what am I willing to lose? Am I willing to, to say, okay, I can give this up? What am I willing, what am I willing to, 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 to give myself permission to do? If you can come up with that summary, your life will have a chance to change. If not, if not, you won't. Because you have no sense of urgency. You have no guiding coalition. You have no support system in place. You are with people who will not license you and you will spend your life not getting to where you want to be. And that's one of the things I've seen. I've been so frustrated at times because I wanted to be someplace and I couldn't get there. And there were things that I, I didn't recognize about myself until I lived a while. So what I want to give you is a personal summary. And I want to go through all four of these again. And I want to give my personal issue with them. Number one, for example... Losses. I, I must stop looking back. I, I learned I had to give up that. I had to lose the habit of looking back. Th that was a habit that was hindering me because I spent too much time thinking about, well, you failed. You failed. Then secondly, I learned I had to license myself. It's good to have a group of people, but it doesn't start with people. It starts with me. Or if, if I do have people who license me, I need to embrace the license. So I had to stop looking back. Let, let, look, I lost it. Let it go. I had to license myself. And thirdly, I had to accept boundaries, limits. I had to say, no, no, you can't spin like that. No, 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 you can't do that. No, you cannot talk on the phone today. You have work to do. No, no, no. And then last, I had to change my attitude. I had to decide. And you're going to see that in the study I'm about to take you to in the book of Joshua, where you have to decide. I want, must, insist on having a different way of viewing things. I always tell people this. Change the way you think, you'll change the way you feel. If you change the way you think, as long as you think the way you think, you'll never get there. As long as your life is tied to certain attitudes, you're angry all the time, you're frustrated all the time. As long as you're, you're always in a pity party, you're never going to get anywhere. If, if you are in life right now dealing with circumstances, deal with them. Look them in the face. This is what we're dealing with. Fight the fight you're in. Face the reality. My children, my children, my wife, my marriage, my personal self-image is too low. I'm down on myself too much. I'm really nice to Ricky. That's me, by the way. I'm really nice to him because I realize that he gets and he gets offended. If I look at him too much and criticize, you know, things I don't like about my body or criticize myself, I, I have found myself, especially in this season, having to really encourage myself. Temple, come on, give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. And so some of you can just pause right there because you're not giving yourself a break. You're not giving yourself a moment of, of praise. And you need to stop and give yourself a hand. Stop and say, look, I have children and I didn't kill any of them. I didn't kill down to one. They're still living. All they did. <laughs> I know you don't want to kill anybody, but you get my point. You know, there are moments you want to say, man, I, I didn't cuss today. Woo, that's the, oh, wow, so no cuss day. This is good. Man, I'm really just, woo, I'm growing in God right now because I showed you the cuss today, but you didn't. See, ah, some of you said, no, I did. Okay, well, let's try tomorrow. 
But the point I'm getting to is there's something about coming to that place in your life where you say to yourself, you know what? I need to pause here for a minute and give myself a license to change and to have a better view of myself. Now, let me take it on a journey. And I want to take it on a journey for as I close here. Joshua is my example today of this in the Bible. And I, I just think he's such a great example of change because this is a guy who comes to and confronts all four of these issues. And, and the first thing I want you to notice is he starts out in Joshua chapter one with loss. Listen to what it says, Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River and, and go into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I don't know if you ever had a person in your life that was really close to you. I mean, they were really there for all the fights, all the, all the difficulties, and then they're gone. In my job as pastor, I deal with death. You may not really believe this, but two or three times a week. But definitely every week. Every week I'm comforting, um, speaking to, and they're not all, not all members of my church, but they're family members of members of my church and sometimes members of my church and um, people I've known for years. But I'm always, 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 every week, almost every week without. And some weeks is four times. I've had four in a day. I mean, I've, especially during this season, I've seen a lot of people die. I've seen a lot of heartache and families hurt. Oh, man, it's just been amazing. But when you lose somebody, and some of you are there right now, whether it be a child or a parent or a mate or whoever it is, are you facing death yourself? Man, all this is really amazing. That's why that verse, I love it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. You're not dead today. You're with me today. I need you to live today. Okay. Whatever the doctor said, whatever, 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 whatever. And the doctor's not your enemy. He's your friend. But I want you to hear me. You need to be clear. You need to be clear that you're alive right now. Dealing with that whole thing. Man, it's tough. It's emotional. It's difficult and serious. His Moses died. Maybe you, your Moses died. Your mama, your daddy, your brother. I don't know, your best friend. Who was your Moses? Now, what's amazing is what he says to him. You've got to deal with that. You've got to deal with loss. You have to deal with loss. Sidebar for a minute. I think about that when I look at my kids who love me. Of course, right? <laughs> but one day they won't have me. I have to prepare them. I have to prepare myself for that day when I'm not the Moses in the room. You can't always be the Moses. You got to prepare people to live beyond you. Prepare your church to live beyond you. But, but Joshua's in that moment, man. He's in that moment. This Moses is gone. The guy who opened the Red Sea. He got stories about this guy. The guy who, I mean, called fire down. This is the guy who stood in front of the burning bush. This is the guy who came out of nowhere and saved millions of people's lives, delivered them from Pharaoh. This was an amazing guy, but he couldn't stay. Like you can't stay. Accepting and embracing loss is the key to you changing your life. 
Look at me and hear me clearly. If you can't embrace loss, you'll never change. And you'll sit there and die with the person. If you don't embrace loss and learn how to maturely look at it. And I watch this. See, I watch this because I deal with it every week. So I'm watching one family and another family. And one family falls apart. Everything collapses. Nothing is the same. Everybody hates everybody. Everybody fights. I can't stand you. Mama died. You took mama's couch. Everybody's in the, well, who going to pay for the funeral? Nobody. <laughs> That's true. Uh, ask for them to help pay for grandmama's funeral and they'll all exit crickets, quiet. Some families, not like that. Man, they together. They band together at death. They bond together. You see, loss exposes the truth. It shows you what you didn't do. So that's why you need to start doing it now. You're so, you're so busy working about the past loss in your family you need to look at yourself and say, well, when I die, I don't want it to be like that. And so God looks at this guy and, and he says, listen, you, you have to learn. How, if you want to you want to see change, you're going to have to learn how to manage loss. And that's part of it. Secondly, Joshua had to be had had to respond, had to be um, repositioned with new, new uh, limits, new licenses. New licenses. So. I love the way the, the text says this, and, and, and I, I just love verse two. Look what he says. Moses, my servant, is dead now. I want you to, I want you and all his people to get up, and I want you to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I want you to go, you and all these people, and move forward. It, it's, it's that time. It's time for you now to decide to license yourself to cross the river. It's time to just go cross the river. It's, I, can't, I can't stay here in, in grandmama's house and look at the walls. I, I, I've got to get up and get a job. I can't stay. I've got to go cross my Jordan River. And that's what he, that's what he told Joshua. And that, my friend, is part of the challenge. You got to license yourself to no longer feel guilty about what you didn't do, didn't say, didn't, whatever. You have to say, I'm licensed now to cross my Jordan River. And that was the moment in his life where this incredible light comes on. Giving yourself permission to embrace the loss of your Moses, to embrace the fact that you now must cross your Jordan River, whatever it is. You have to go do something, that you get a job, change your life, whatever it is, get in shape, I don't care, shape, I don't know what it is. But whatever your Jordan River is, you have to give yourself permission to do that. I think right now as a ministry, that's exactly what we're doing. We have to cross this digital river. That's our Jordan River. This, this right now, this is our Jordan River. Embracing it and crossing over and, and being clear about the fight we're in and being clear. This is what we have to do. And thirdly, this is important. This is so important. We have to in, in, embrace new limits. Look at verse three. Notice that Joshua had to had to deal with his new limits. I, I love I love this verse. Verse three. I will give you every place where you, you, you set your foot. As I promised Moses. Now I want you to pause this for a second. I'm going to give you every place you put your foot as I promised Moses. So remember what I told Moses. That's what I'm going to give you when you walk on what I told Moses for you to walk on. I'm going to give it to you. I used to, I used to take this verse improperly. I used to think it meant Everywhere I walk, everywhere I go, God's going to give me that. No, he didn't. He didn't tell him he can have everything. 
A lot of Christians, a lot of people think you can have everything. Let me help you. You can't own everybody's house. You can't own every piece of property. Preachers get in trouble with trying to build everything, trying to buy all the land around them. Sometimes that's not your job. You can buy what you need to buy, but you don't necessarily need to own everything. And so there's this incredible moment here where he says to Joshua, let me read it again for you. Verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to, to Lebanon, from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the, in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Good stuff, right? But here's what he says. These are your boundaries. Mediterranean Sea. Okay. The ri river Euphrates. Okay. The desert. Okay. Okay. These are your borders. You don't need to try to conquer the whole world. The idea that Christianity is about triumphalism Big word, right? We're trying to triumph over the entire world and conquer every piece of property, own all the land, build. No. As a matter of fact, one of the mistakes in church growth is the assumption that you're supposed to get bigger, 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 bigger. More, 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 more. That's called greed. At some point, it's greed. At some point, there is this sense of I need to be the biggest dog, the biggest wolf, biggest bark roof in town. And if I'm not, I failed. Jesus talked to 12 people. That was his boundary. Jesus did not have more than 12 disciples and one was really not too cool and the other ones had issues and all, but in fact, all of them had issues. But he, this was his boundary. You know what I think the problem is? You have no boundary. We have no boundary. We have no limits. We have no, we have no place we stop. And that's tied to our attitude. Our attitude is wrong. The attitude we have works against God's bigger plan. I love what he told Joshua. He said this, he said this in verse six. He said, be strong. That's what kind of attitude I want you to have. I want you to be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong, verse seven, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left. Why? That you may be successful wherever you go. Pause there for a second. Let me think about this. Do you realize that that is a decision only Joshua could make. He says this to him three times, pushes him. If you read on to verse eight, nine, he says, you need to be strong. You need to be strong. You need to be strong. You need to be courageous. But you've got to be that. Let me help you. God will never change you into a strong person. God will never change you. You know, I used to love Popeye. You know, you know some of you don't know about Popeye. Google it. Popeye the sailor. Popeye the sailor, man, doo doo. Popeye the sailor, man. Okay, you don't like my singing, but you get the point. Popeye was amazing because Popeye would be beat down. I think uh, Pluto, whatever his name was, used to beat him up. And Popeye would be down and he'd be about to die, right? Popeye would be beating, I mean, pummeling. I mean, he'd be just being, and the guy would always try to steal his girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? That's what made Popeye come out of the closet. All right, boy, you mess with my girl. And so, but when he started fighting the guy who was trying to hurt his girl, you know, it was almost, he just never could win. He was losing every fight. And so he was losing the fight. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he'd reach into his coat or he'd reach over and grab some spinach. And he would squeeze the spinach into his mouth and he'd, bam, now. Popeye would wear him out every time. Same theme, every cartoon, it's the same story. 
Popeye going to get beat down, eat the spinach. But here's the point. <laughs> Popeye is a cartoon. That's not how you get strong for real. There's no can of spinach. I told my mama one time, I, I, I never had spinach. I told my mama, I said, mama, I want some spinach like Popeye. <laughs> I used to watch it all the time. So my mother got some spinach and she made it up for me and put it on the table. And I said, I was happy. I couldn't wait to, man, I was going to be like Popeye. It's going to be amazing in a minute. Popeye the sailor, Ricky, Ricky the Popeye. Man, I, I took a bite of that stuff. I told my mom I wanted it raw. I didn't want to really cook it because I said, like Popeye, he just right out the can. That's what I wanted. She said, no, Ricky, you can't eat it like that. You have to cook it. So I, she cooked it and I sat there and I repented. I asked God and her and the whole neighborhood to forgive me <laughs> because it was the worst stuff I'd ever eaten in my life. That stuff was, whoo, I couldn't even finish chewing soon. Mama, this is bad. And she looked at me, and this is what cured me for the rest of my life. You're going to eat that spinach. You're going to eat that spinach today because you made me cook that spinach for you like Popeye. And so I was sitting there, and she didn't make me eat the whole thing, but she made me suffer for a little while. I've never asked for spinach since. Now, some of you spinach lovers, God bless you. And I might eat spinach, you know, on a salad. I can do that. But boy... Whew, I won't forget it. That, but that's not how you get strong. That was in my imagination. It's like some of you have it in your imagination. You can go to church and you can sing. Oh, Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Whoa! And you think you can shout. There you go. That's going to make me strong. You think you can just hear a word and, and talk back to the preacher. Say it, boy. Preach it. You say, oh, that's going to make me strong. Some of you think just, really? You don't think that way about anything else. You never think, watch this, you never think going to a bank and sitting in the bank makes you wealthy. You never think going to the gym and just looking at the exercise equipment makes you strong. You never think those thoughts. You never think going to an education, to an educational environment, a school, and sitting in the classroom with no books and just watching the teacher. That somehow if you sit outside the classroom, you're going to be strong. You're not going to be strong because you go to church. You're not going to be strong because you pray a little bit. You're not going to be strong. You're going to be strong because you want to be strong. He said, Joshua, decide, have an attitude of strength. Decide to be strong. Decide to be courageous. God can't decide that for you. You've got to decide it. You're praying, God, make me strong. You don't work out enough to be strong. You don't work hard enough. You don't try hard enough. Your attitude is not right. You make up too many excuses. You blame this person and that person. And we live in that political environment. Blame, blame, blame. It's your fault, your fault, your fault. It's our fault. We, we, we. It's when you can embrace that truth and say to yourself, I am the one. My marriage is like this. I chose. I made decisions. I own this. This house is messy because this is my clothes on the floor. This is my decision. This is the culture I've created. They cuss like that because I taught them to cuss because I cussed at my children. And so now, here's the question. Are you going to change? Here's the question of the day, and I'm done. Will you give yourself permission to change? Because C is all about you. Next week, I'm going to talk about licensing. I have a whole sermon on repositioning yourself with a new license. Nothing like a license. Nothing like having permission. When you stop back, step back and say, I want to go someplace I've never been before. 
I want a life that I've only heard about. When you bow your head and you say, God, I'm not going to let those things to stop me, stop me like they did in the past. I'm, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to give myself permission to change. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've been stuck in a place, a place where they've lost their courage to change. But may this sense of urgency in this season inspire them. May they surround themselves with a group of God people, a coalition of people who inspire them. May they come up with a new strategy and a new vision for their life. And may this be the moment that they say, I get it. I connect with what God is saying for me. And I pray for that for our church, for our members, for our friends, for myself, for my family, and for all of us. And we give you the glory and the honor. And lastly, Lord, I pray for people today who'd say, you know, after hearing this message, Pastor, I need to reposition myself spiritually. I need Jesus in my life. I need God in my life. I need to start my life on a new plane. Father, let this be the healing moment where they invite you in. And they invite you to make that difference. I declare in their life, Lord God, courage and confidence. May they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I need to change my direction. I declare that for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray you were inspired today to reposition your life. You know, it's your life. It's really up to you to decide what you want for your life. Boy, I had to get that one down. There are times in my life I didn't hear what I should have heard. I needed to be like Joshua and decide to be strong. I needed to decide to be courageous. That's my decision, to reposition my attitude, to say, I don't want this to be my future, living in this state of depression or frustration. And let me tell you, preachers in particular have a lot of that going on. They call it post-adrenaline depression. After they preach to you, they go down the river if they're not careful. Because after all the adrenaline and all the excitement of preaching, then it's silent. I tell the church all the time, I said, you know what? When I'm finished, you all go that way. Everybody says, thank you, Pastor. And they turn around and they leave. And I'm there by myself. I go, how did I do? How did it go? <laughs> Somebody said, don't be so insecure. That's part of victory. Part of fighting is sometimes you are challenged with your own insecurity. And some of you need to reposition your attitude and say, you know what? I'm going to be strong. You know what? If they, if they wave at me or don't, I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to be deterred or discouraged because it's not all going the way I emotionally think it should. I'm going to reposition my attitude, reposition myself, embrace my boundaries. This is how much money I make. This is what I have. These are my limits. These are the things I'm going to do. And man, your whole life can be different. So it all starts with you, though, giving yourself permission to think that way. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've listened to this message and may it inspire them to say, you know what, God, my life needs to change. And I give myself permission to change. You've already given me permission. You died on the cross. You paid the price for me. But my job is to embrace that and become a co-laborer with you. And so I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, thanks for being with me today. Hope you were blessed on demand. I'll see you next time. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Bye-bye.